Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, June 15th, 2017, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hello and welcome into This Is Only a Test. I'm your current host, Kishore Hari. We'll see where we end up at the end of the podcast. We're going to play no. musical chairs and yeah. rotate. Yeah. Well, I might just get fired. I think I might get survivored <laughs> off this podcast. Uh, Norm is still away. He's in London, hopefully out of the bathroom where he recorded the ads last week. He's technically in England. He's not in London proper. Oh, okay. I just, <laughs> I'm saying if you're in London, you're like all excited going looking for him. You're not going to be successful. Uh, if he's in England, it's all proper. Where's, <laughs> right. where's Norm is not a successful game in London. I that's got right. It. Let's welcome in our co-host this week, Jeremy Williams, greetings, as always. Greetings and salutations. And we have a new friend. A new one. Hello, Zach. Hello. This is Zach Radding, ladies and gentlemen. He's a friend of mine, a friend of the show, actually. Uh, we met through the show, I don't know, a year or two ago. Yeah. And uh, he is a, he's a man of many talents, and he's also... Uh, got a lot of interesting things to say. Zach is an, is an electrical engineer by trade. Yeah. But he has trained himself to become many other types of engineers. Can right. we talk about... You can talk about whatever you want. Because I, okay. I don't know. You might be sensitive about revealing some of your tricks. Right. But when For we, you, Jeremy, I'll reveal all my tricks. This is not just for me. This is yeah, for yeah. everybody. Oh, oh, oh wait. There's the other world. people listening. Yes. All right. Wait, he plugs it into the wall socket. When no. I first met you, you showed me a, something that you had made that was like a puzzle room that you hold in your hand. And oh, yeah. It, it was a... Uh, it was a puzzle chip it was a, a little tiny circuit board yeah yeah with one inch by one inch with very, a single chip yes a single chip like no components on it except for a single chip yeah, it was like a resistor and yeah minimal components yes but tell me the things that you made this this that you coaxed out of this what what uh, senses did you coax out okay of so this, so this a little background the the puzzle so there's a puzzle conference that happens every i want to say two years it's a a tribute to um uh, a, a, a long-standing puzzler. <laughs> Martin Gardner? Martin Gardner, you know. Exactly. Famous mathematician. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is part of a gift exchange. Mm -hmm. You go, you uh, exchange something that you've created with 400 other attendees. So I needed to build something that, you know, I felt proud to, to give to all these really great puzzlers and magicians and scientists and whatnot. So um, I designed this little puzzle. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of, sort of bizarre little tricks that you can do in electronics to kind of coax more out of, you know, minimal hardware. And people have been doing it for years. I mean, you know, from Atari to, you know, every every little device that you you come across or some trick, some engineers figured out something clever to do. So I sort of combined all of these different things that I've learned over the years into one little puzzle. So, um, it, it, you know, the, the basic sort of input was capacitive touch. And there's some, some tricks as far as getting capacitive touch out of a chip that doesn't normally support capacitive touch. So you do some, 
you know, you, you have a pin and you, you modulate it and then you look for changes in frequency caused by you touching it. And uh, so you kind of get that for free. And then you can... That's different from just shocking somebody with this, with the board. Slightly different, though, if you lick it, maybe. Um, <laughs> that another, another feature for that's maybe version two. But uh, no, so it's like you do that, you do temperature, you can do, um, you can actually transmit radio. Um, I'm sure the FCC won't love it, but, um, you know, it's kind of like the old uh, Mr. Microphone. You hold it next to your radio and you can get some sounds out of that. Um, there's kind of just all these different things. And then use a LED as both a, uh, you know, an actual LED, but also a light sensor. There's some tricks you can do with that. So it kind of combined all these things, turned it into a puzzle. And, you know, I need to make it cheap. So I didn't want to add a lot of components. Yeah. So um, put it all together and, uh, you know, made a, a sort of a puzzle room, as you as you suggested. It so. also sensed the temperature to some degree. Like it could tend a slight fluctuations. Actually, yeah. if you did a big fluctuation, you could detect that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you actually had to stick it in a refrigerator as one of the puzzles. And it would actually give you clues through Morse code yeah. through the one LED. What? As a whole, as a crazy little thing. No, that's the trick is that you, it doesn't even tell you how it's communicating with you. It just starts to blink at you. You have to figure it out. And you're like, okay, okay, that must be Morse code. Let me go on online and find a Morse code translator. And then it, it starts to give you instructions or, or really clues. Yeah, it's not yeah. even direct instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you start to decipher what you're supposed to do with it. And then if you like put it under a light or put it in the refrigerator for a while, it blinks a different code at you. It's absolutely genius. And wow. it costs what to make? Two bucks. I mean, it, is this like on the internet somewhere? That we can, uh, you should do. totally open source that. I or probably like, is, should. Yeah. Is there a picture of it somewhere? There, uh, I, yeah, actually, we'll put I, it I, in the show notes. Oh yeah, we'll find one. I'm sure it's out there. That's so. amazing. Yeah. So that's that, how we. Yeah. That's how we sort of bonded. You bonded over a, over a puzzle that you had to figure out how to put in the refrigerator. Well, yeah, we yeah initially over cars, um, oh, but then yes, fair enough. He's also into electric vehicles. Um, has has worked on electric vehicles. I, I built some electric vehicles. <laughs> and for our tested fans here, they probably know Zach from working on a few projects that have showed up on the site. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I did. I touch a lot of things in the Bay Area that get developed here. Usually, some esoteric problem or. You know, it's just early prototype. So, you know, the one wheel skateboard, I know you guys talk a lot about that. I did kind of an early prototype of their battery. Um, I've done uh, some quadcopter stuff with 3D robotics. Um, trying to gather stuff that you guys would know. There is that Captain Kirk chair next door. The, I helped. Yeah. That was actually. He did come in to help uh, diagnose a problem with that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, he has some pretty cool tools in his toolbox. I, th The nice thing about kind of taking your passion for building things and turning it into a business, you have an excuse to buy lots of cool tools. Yeah, so right. I have no problem being like, oh, look, there's something new and cool. I should own that. That will make my job better. So I, I, I collect cool tools. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Well, thank you. And a, a perfect fit to have a listener of the podcast on the podcast. You too can become on the podcast. No, no. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's not true. You are not welcome here. But let's dive into it. We got some pop culture news. So I wanted to follow up on a story a couple weeks ago. I know it was out last week, but I wanted to ask this. So, Jeremy, mm. did you dress up as Wonder Woman and go to a screening as we agreed <laughs> upon two what, weeks ago? You mean to the all-female screenings? Yeah. Did you no. man it? No. That, no. Was, that was never my plan. I was offering that to you as a solution. <laughs> I, I missed my, my window. 
Uh, uh, but we didn't talk about it last week because our two guests last week had not seen the film. Zach, have you seen Wonder I Woman? I have. Oh, yes. good. We've yeah. all seen it. I assume you've seen and it. And there's a spoiler cast now up on the site from Still Entitled this week. Which uh, I highly recommend, actually, because Danica is on that, and she gives an excellent perspective She's a super it. fan, clearly. Yeah, she has been a fan of Wonder Woman for the longest time. Perfect guest for that podcast. And, and actually has a lot to say about Wonder Woman lore. I suspect you and Danica are not going to be allowed to talk about Wonder Woman. I have, a, I have a strong suspicion that you didn't love this film. I didn't love it, but she would welcome my opinions. I'm sure of it. I don't know about <laughs> this one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't no, think um, so. You know, and I was totally on board with the movie. We're not going to go into spoilers. Are we going to go into spoilers? No, I don't, I don't think, think we so. need we... to go into spoilers. I think okay. there's a general well, like, like, thoughts on it. The takeaway is I was 100% on board for the first act and a half, I feel like. I feel like the whole audience was, especially the first portion on, in the Amazon. Um, yeah, and it, Themyscira uh, is beautiful. Th- Themyscira? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Loved it. It was an origin story, and it hit all the right marks. I was on board right up until No Man's Land, when mm. Wonder Woman climbs the ladder and walks out in there. I felt like the, the, the whole audience was like ready to cheer, like throw their arms up, and five people did because that's all that it warranted. Maybe just, you were on the wrong theater. I don't know. I, I mean, we, we all saw the same film. I just felt like she climbed up there and suddenly the shot turned cheesy. And the, the shot of her having risen, walking on the battlefield in slow motion, it was, it just felt like a, it didn't, it just didn't evoke the right feeling. I felt like the effects were not. Ex- this move doesn't do it for you? It was not. Deflecting it, bullets like that? No, no, no. The, the, when she got in the battle, know, it, it, it got better. About. But the slow-mo shot of when she finally rose, it just fell but apart But that was the big reveal. That was like you got the costume. You I know. got the yeah. whole, like, she's powerful. Like, it, 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 it felt, did it for me. I don't know. Huh? Th- yeah, and it did it for Adam. And it yeah. worked for, for a lot of people. For whatever reason, it hit me as like, oh, that felt, that just felt flat. Mm. I, I really like the, re- even though we saw it in the trailer, I thought the armor was really beautiful. Oh, I did too. And, you know, because it was, like, worn, uh, like, it was rough around the edges and stuff, it wasn't sort of, like, the pristine Wonder Woman outfits that we've seen in the past, like, the Linda Carter kind of, you know, every, like, you know, hem and, and stuff. So I liked the battle scars on it. Yeah. And when you compare how Gal, Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, according, according to, to Danica. Danica. When you compare how she's portrayed uh, by the camera, Compared to something, somebody like Scarlett Johansson, as they talked about in Still Entitled, lots of progress. Love that, and and it, that did not affect my enjoyment whatsoever. If if anything, it improved it because I think it's it's just more compelling that way. Um, but I just felt like ah, I, I mean, and the the end action scene, that stuff just didn't work quite as well for me. Uh, the, the dialogue was good. Zach, I loved it. I I have a twelve year old daughter. This was kind of her first superhero movie that she really got into. And she's like, you know, she's seen some of the other ones and she's kind of like, eh, not really, but like Wonder Woman was good. And, you know, for me, I was like, yeah, bring it. I watched the old show and the I'm TV like, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was probably in reruns when I saw it even then. But, uh, yeah, I totally dug it. I thought it was great. And it just, you know, seeing the, you know, anytime that they do a good, you know, comic book movie, and, and I feel like those scenes that you're talking about that maybe felt a little flat, yeah. to me, that's you know the the surreal the, the the that slow motion whatever that is kind of that capture of that comic book feel to me. It felt like the TV show, like that. That's and I didn't want to go back to the TV show. I wanted the big budget DC action film, and I felt like that that it just didn't look expensive. <laughs> it's mm. it seemed like the the set and the effects were you know restricted there, and I just wanted really more fo- yes. I felt like it was very period appropriate. Period appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what, I mean, this is a, a period movie, 
for all intents and purposes. So I think it gets compared a lot to the first Captain America movie, and I think it compares very fair, favorably to that in that way. I think it, this is not the best comic book movie by a lot of um, measures. I think like Winter Soldier has a has a better, more nuanced arc to it. But holy cow, DC's movies have been terrible. Yeah. So yeah. like this, this, this is so was, much better. This is stepping into a landscape that had such low, I, low expectations I, I think that it maybe, blew it away. I don't think that the, everyone in the world knows that DC and Marvel are different. You really? Know, I, I don't even think... if you didn't see Suicide Squad, I think you could <laughs> taste how bad that movie no, was. No, but I think kids go to see these films knowing the Marvel films and they're just like, Oh, this is another superhero movie and they don't expect it to be any different. And honestly their their standards aren't as high as my forty year three year old brain is. <laughs> but your standards are like she didn't destroy a city in you know so you look at some of these big budget like shots where they're just these just epic you know explosions and buildings crashing and whatnot so we've kind of almost become numb to just like the small story the really focused you know when she's running on that battlefield like that's it felt personal as opposed to like this just monster you know where, where there's like you know faceless masses being you know killed as buildings fall on them this felt like okay she's fighting the enemy and i thought that was really cool i, I thought it was very unapologetic in that way too absolutely like there's a lot of uh superhero movies that are like the angst of the of the superhero grappling with like their role I, I feel like wonder woman did not struggle with her being wonder woman no she was like, not angsty what, at all uh, no, about that for one second and that i found that refreshing yeah uh, if there's a sequel, when there's a sequel, what do you want? Because I feel like this is the part of the spoiler cast that Adam, Danica, and Norm totally got wrong. Uh, oh, do you want something specific? Yeah, they got to go back to Themyscira. Well, they mentioned and, that. And do a, a whole that. movie there. Yeah, well, okay. Maybe a Norman, whole I movie think. there. Yeah, I think it should be about... I think there should be a whole a movie about a rebellion against Hippolyta. Um partially due to the death of um oh wait we're not in spoiler land i think there should be a rebellion on that island and i think the character we i want the villain i want to see is cheetah who's wonder woman's i think best enemy emerge and have a story being told on that island where wonder woman has to return to themiscara where she's a little bit of an outcast now i think that'd be good you know no one is with me I, not one person in this room is with I'm me sure i'm gonna give this just give you creepy my, head my vote. is uh, all, all with you right there <laughs> I am. I'm not qualified to have an opinion. You have my vote. That's fine. I'll vote for what you want. Wow, that was incredibly enthusiastic. <laughs> vote right there. I think it's well. I I've only seen it once. I'm definitely going to go back and see it multiple times. So I think this is a, a good, a worthy movie. Yeah. Last fight. I, I know they kind of poo pooed doing World War II, but I I could use more. Like really? Give, yeah. Like I still. I mean, well. Look Beating up the, on Nazis. Eh, they got to go to modern day, don't you? I mean, because it begins. Well, they're going be to with Justice League. Right, but then this movie begins and ends in modern day. And I just feel like this is the flashback film. And now they've got to continue with the current timeline so that I, you don't know that she survives or not. <laughs> fair enough. No, there's not, never going to be any risk of that. Did you, like... Really? Be, if the God of War can't take her out, no. who, who's going to do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the I mean, largest oh, no box, officing, box office open ever, I think, is the clue that Wonder Woman's never going to die <laughs> in these yeah. movies. Well, fair enough. Uh, all right. We got a new trailer for a comic book movie. Black Panther trailer came out mm -hmm. during the uh, NBA finals. It How looks good. Yeah. Looks solid. 
uh, I think I, I would say it mostly looked great to me. I thought like the cast and everything, the the dialogue, the intrigue that's really being mm-hmm. played out here um, seems great. I felt like a little of the action didn't look great on my screen. Well, at um, first, on TV. I, I thought it was going to be a Netflix. Like I didn't realize it was a movie. Like it took me a few beats. I'm like, oh wait, no, this is a movie. This isn't a 12 part Netflix show. He was introduced in what was Civil War? Uh, yes. Yeah, and that's the only t- movie he's been in so far, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it looks great. I mean, I I don't know anything about the storyline. Uh, is the uh, the land that was in Africa all the time is yeah. is that a real thing from the comics? Yeah. So okay. Wakanda is this you know fictional country that has is technologically superior, but is very xenophobic. They they don't let outsiders, and they store the vibranium that that uh, Captain America's shield is made from, and that. Ultron in Avengers uh, in Avengers Two ends up stealing. Hmm. Uh, we got a, a sneak peek of the villain, uh, Doctor Claw, um, in there, played by Andy Serkis. By the way, I was gonna say Doctor Claw. Oh, I didn't. Maybe that. he's not that's, a doctor. Maybe he didn't finish his doctorate. That's, that's uh, Inspector Gadget. That's <laughs> yeah. Doctor Claw. Like it's Ulysses Claw is his <laughs> is name right? in the. It is. Yeah, he pets funny. the cat. You know, that's Doctor Claw. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How about the reunion of of Gollum and Bilbo? In that in that scene, dude, you're blowing my mind. What? Um, Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis oh. sitting th- next to each other <laughs> nope. in that trailer. I totally missed that. Come on, <laughs> didn't didn't pick that up either. Ah, that was my favorite little <laughs> of that trailer. I think it looks great. How is he bulletproof? Who? Suit. Oh, vibranium. Black Panther. He wears that too. Yeah. Yeah. He wears vibranium in his suit, and the idea is vibranium absorbs any sort of kinetic energy. Apparently, he can mix it with spandex. And yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, so he got shot at in Civil War from like a helicopter, and he just like stares at it as they're shooting at oh. him. And so, yeah, that's the idea. Okay. And he has vibranium claws that extend and retract and stuff. Vibranium <laughs> solves all your problems. Better than ball bearings. <laughs> uh, one other pop culture story before we dive into E3 and a whole sort of tech news. Um, and it's about IKEA. Oh, God, I hope you read this story. <laughs> I posted it thinking it was a good headline. Uh, so Ikea to learn from space journey to Mars. I, I, so I only briefly looked at this, but there is a, um, a setup. I'm, I forget where it is. It's out in a desert somewhere. Yeah. Well, they've used it before. They've used it, yeah, to essentially train, uh, study what traveling to Mars would look like by enclosing, uh, quote unquote, astronauts, travelers to Mars in an in a small space and seeing how they would work together. It's really a human factor study, like understanding how people get along, like everything from like, hey, how smelly will it get in there? Like we're doing that experiment right now here in this podcast room. Yeah. And it's just two hours. <laughs> and and they, they are in here for a week. Yes, they're, but can you imagine being in a room with, you know, what is it, eight other people for a week about the size of this podcast Dude, I room? Dude, honestly, it sounds... I would sign up for this in a heartbeat. What? Yes. I think this sounds awesome. I mean, not like I would think this is going to be fun, but just to have experienced that, to come out of that chamber after a week? No, I, no. I think it might change you permanently. Yes. Right. Hey, yes. I need it. I think there's permanent <laughs> damage that will happen from this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think it would become a life experience, and I, I, I would love to, because it's the closest I'm going to get to Mars. You know? And, I, you know, I, I would love to I, I don't think Mars is just that. about being in captivity with just people i'm no, going out on a limb like there's you know space and other things yeah, involved i mean i get you but this it's the framing of this 
experiment is that this is what it would, you know, you have to imagine that the reason you're doing this is because you're on a ship to Mars or living on a pod on Mars. And if you get into that fantasy, you role play it. I would role play it. I mean, it would be fun for a few hours. I'd sign up for that. I don't know. Like, I love my family, but I need my space from them. And like, yeah. they're my family. So I'm already kind of invested in them. Yeah. So that's a bad sign that I would survive well in this thing. But we should get to the Ikea part. Yes. So Ikea wanted to get in here because small space living, I guess, and uh, how to design sort of modular furniture. F- flat stuff. pack. Yeah. Uh, that I guess you only need one tool for the entire habitat, too. It's, that's actually, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about it. I mean, they, they've actually gone through like this super optimization process of I sell a million, you know, pieces of furniture and I need to make them super simple that anybody like, you know, bottom of the mechanical spectrum can assemble with, you know, that one tool that I give you. That's actually not a bad way to design things. It's not. And the idea of, of those pieces being modular and having multiple utility, I think IKEA is really working on that. So it's, you know, it's fun to make just, a joke about it, but I agree. It's totally, it, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Just you, less cardboard and less uh, particle board. That would be my only request. Are you suggesting that the friends that I have that invite me over to help them build their IKEA furniture are just lazy? Yes. Yeah. They could totally uh, do it. Ah. Uh, this is horrible. You still have friends that invite you over to build their IKEA furniture? Well, not recently, but uh, yeah, I would say in recent history. Wow. Hey, Jeremy, yeah. what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're capable. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Can you come help me? <laughs> do you have that one tool? I somehow misplaced my 8,000 of those. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we got to get on to the big news of the week. Are we in tech news by- yet? Yeah. All right. So Jeremy and Gunther just are back as of last night from E3, the most joyous place on the earth, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's uh, across the town from Disneyland. Well, can you describe E3 for our listeners who may not know e- about it? <laughs> E3 is the Electronic Entertainment Exposition. Has been happening for since, I don't know, late 70s. It was a little offshoot from CES, and uh, it became its own thing. What, like late 90s and it's it's the video game event of the year it's where every video game ever is announced more or less i mean that's what i tell my 10 year old to sum it up um sort of close it sort of well i mean honestly it's like where every big big video game is announced sure but you know they've started to fracture and do their own press conferences and and i think yeah there's a whole talk to be had about that i think that's the trend hopefully because e3 is still just this bombastic just sensory overload that is completely unnecessary especially given that everything is streamed there's um, not a whole lot of reason to go there which is in part why I haven't had any interest to go there since last time I was there 2001 when I was covering it for PC Gamer magazine now with VR I feel like we now that there's a reason to go again right you have to experience it because VR is not easily communicated via video or even Mm -hmm. discussions although we do our best um, but to actually go and put on the headset and see what the controls feel like and see what the environments feel like, see what the scale is like, uh, if they got that right or wrong, um, that's, you got to do that. You got to put the headset on. So that's why I went, uh, Gunther and I flew down for the day and we tried uh, six VR games, or actually six meetings, six, 
so like eight eight VR games total, and uh, it was that was jam packed. I mean, if and, that's, and we'll talk about that, that in the VR minute. Some some that, of your experience yes. with those but games. But because we got that many games, and because we had appointments, if you don't have appointments, and most people don't have that liberty, you're standing in line for two, three hours to play a game. Ugh. And there were lines around every booth to do that. I'm just thinking head lice. That's all I'm thinking. When you have that <laughs> many people and a VR headset, like yeah, no. Well, it's <laughs> you know, and to be honest with you, VR is not is not like the great thing yet. You know, it's still early days, as we keep saying. Uh, a million headsets sold on PSVR, it's not going to make the big booth. Yeah. So um, the the big lines were for the new Mario game, of course, mm-hmm. you know, Call of Duty, the, the big ones. Um, and, and there were some big announcements uh, along in the 2D front. Well, do, before we get, yeah. uh, do that, did you catch a friend of tested Will Smith's panel on VR? He moderated a panel. No, I didn't. No, uh, I, I, lo- I caught it on, on Twitch, and he was moderating a panel with um, the people from The Void, um, people from accounting, um, that VR game. Uh, oh, and um, two others. And I'm forgetting. That sounds right great. Now. I would love to. Watch it actually that. was pretty interesting, and I think it's up on. I think it was recorded up on Twitch. But who's Twitch? Uh, just on Twitch TV on their main channel. Oh, how about that for their E3 coverage? It was on the Coliseum. I think is what it was called. They are the official streaming partner of E3 this year. Uh, absolutely. So, but yeah, big, to the so, announcements. Yeah, big announcements. I mean, honestly, this probably isn't the podcast you tune in for this kind of thing, but it, it's, it was some big ones. Uh, the Xbox One X was given a name. It was Scorpio. Now it has a name. Xbox One X, One X, uh, I know. X, One, there's Horrible two, naming. X, there's a, there's a great uh, image that somebody posted online on Reddit, uh, which is um, the box and the, and the consoles. You got the Xbox and the Xbox box and then or one xbox box and then you have the xbox one and then the xbox one box and then it just it gets harder and harder to say as you go down the list dr zeus is happy somewhere about this <laughs> exactly choice. exactly um anyway the uh the price is 499 too much this is extra expensive this is a problem right i mean i forget what the last console to sell at 499 was but i think it was a playstation it must have been the ps3 and I don't think it sold that as well as people hoped. So I, I think the big question to talk about here is the X. The, I can't even call it this. What, what, what is the shorthand? What are people calling it? Yeah, right. there needs to be like an X-Bone for this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's the Xbox. It's going to be the X-Bone X. The double X? X-Bone X, double X. <laughs> so with the double X, yeah. like the, it, this is really about approaching PC level specs. It's getting close to it. Well, it's like, always always been that way. Yeah, I mean, like the well, this past generation. It's a PC that you can't upgrade. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's what it feels like to me. Well, I think the upgrade cycle is now PC like, where they are just doing your upgrades for you every few years. So your it's a mid gen console. I mean, because I don't know if we'll see another generation. Really? Late. I mean, they might just keep doing this. Why um, not? Why not? I mean, it's not like architecture is going to change dra- dramatically where they're going to get amazing new improvements. I, all of the interesting improvements are being made in user interface and unfortunately microsoft isn't doing any of that right you know i mean at least Yet. playstation is experimenting with the vr space and i would say it successfully and uh and nintendo is you know killing it with their little cell phone processor yeah and unless they unless they come up with some like exclusive content which because their install base of the old hardware is so huge they're not going to i mean the developers are going to be like well we can just downscale our graphics and you know run on everything what's going to be the incentive like to buy this i mean other than i want it to be even more pretty on my 4k tv like yeah that's it that's is, it is there i'm trying to come up with an argument for this thing 
for the for the double X. Yeah, for the double X. Is there an argument to be made about you know taking PC level games and bringing them out to the living room? That's the only thing I can think of. You can't catch the PC. Like I know you can't. That's the problem. I know you can't. <laughs> I mean, it's the greyhound chasing but, the rabbit. Like it's just not going to happen. But this is as close as we've been for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you and that's like the, what the Xbox One X has over the PlayStation Four Pro is that it does native 4K. Like that's mm-hmm. it. So if 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 you have a 120 inch screen and yeah. you're sitting close to it, you'll probably be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that this is going to matter. To the point of an extra this, hundred dollars. This is for the people that can't assemble their IKEA furniture. They want a PC <laughs> in their living room, but they're like, <laughs> instead of calling up Jeremy to make their PC, yeah. they buy a double X. I really want the double X to come bundled with the Allen wrench. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. The problem is they also didn't announce any VR support at all, given especially given the fact that they did last year. They, they announced Scorpio. They said it would have VR support, and everyone seemed okay. They, the Oculus is shipping with the Xbox One gamepad. Yeah, there's, there's going to be, there's there's gonna be a, partnership. a partnership. It's going to have something interesting, but uh, yeah, nothing. I'm not surprised, actually. I mean, VR hasn't demonstrated enough to potentially warrant that. I mean, but uh, I totally agree with the you game and that. the you and the guys at Microsoft marketing have, have felt the same way. They're <laughs> yeah, like, right. oh yeah, it's I'm just disappointed, not... but I'm not surprised. Well, they later, Phil Spencer, somebody later came out and said, yeah, it's going to support VR, but we just no. have nothing to show yet. They are seeding virtual reality to Sony completely at this point. But what support VR? It has an HDMI port that you can plug in a headset. Yeah, like they need a native headset with with first party games, or at least uh, you know funded third party games. But yeah. what I mean, it could support an Oculus. It's PC hardware inside. It's mm-hmm. not like it doesn't support the, you know, it's it's video out. Yes. So. Yes. No, and that's how I'm sure it will work. Right. But they just have, <laughs> until they put their marketing muscle behind it and their right. funding, uh, we're not going to get the, the great games to help push VR forward. All and right. That's what I'm looking for. It's just yeah. more momentum. E- so that was E3 strike one of oh. <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> I mean, that's generally the reviews. Microsoft fail. I mean, it's just a price point. Yeah, they, they can I mean, br- but that's a big deal. They could bring it down, and they will. They're going to have to. I mean, maybe not as soon as people want. Um, what else? You know, uh, Sony is remaking Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of their great games that I have never played, so it's good for me. Uh, but people are really excited about that. Uh, lots of big games. Um, Anthem from BioWare is the next big thing. That looked good. Looks really amazing. good. And it's a co-op online RPG, mm-hmm. action RPG. And it was like a... It was a Good demo of like how it's going to feel to play with your friends. It, they didn't uh, get too cheesy about it, but it, it looks looks a ton of fun. You're playing this open world uh, where you're you're wearing these monstrous jetpacks that are also like robotic, you know, exoskeletons. Yes, and you 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 have different powers. It's like your superheroes, like they're just hovering people and slamming into the ground. I'll take Hulk it. Style. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, Spider Man by Insomniac. Looks a ton of fun. Looks like the Batman games. I was gonna yep. say it's it's Arkham with yeah, a different suit. Arkham with Spidey. Yeah. Where is the pizza delivery though, people? Sorry, I'm getting notifications. I forgot to do not disturb. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil Two. Beyond Good and Evil is one of the all time. You know, it's like a Psychonauts style game. It was highly, highly rated. Well, why is that still happening? <laughs> it's so annoying. Maybe uh, you just quit there. Slack. Right. <laughs> um. Uh, so they're making a second one. They all they showed was a CG trailer, but it blew people away. And so if the game's anything like this, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, very strange stuff going on with the Mario. Yeah, can we talk about Mario for a little bit? Did you watch the Mario I, I stuff, did. Zach? I did. What was your initial impression? I I, I love Mario. Mm-hmm. Just do give me Mario in all its forms. I mean, that's the thing with Nintendo. They've always like. I mean, we had the VR boy. Come on, they they push the they push the limit. They're like, virtual you know, boy or virtual boy. Yeah, yeah. sure, I'll, I'll take it. I'll try it. Yeah, we yeah. have to talk about the Mario Kart VR stuff that we saw we'll, we'll later. We'll we'll later, yeah, yeah. that yeah. was crazy. Um, <laughs> but with Mar- Mario, Mario is is now possessing people. I think I think he's crossing a line. We're gonna have to get the Exorcist involved. Are, are you sure it's not Wario <laughs> in in disguise? Uh, oh. Yes, I like maybe, your thinking. Maybe. It's definitely odd. This strikes me as a Super Mario Sunshine kind of outing where it's going to be a little different and you're going to wonder if you love it or not. And you're going to, I think, going to want to go back to the roots. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But like when when we finally got Super Mario Galaxy after yeah. after uh, Sunshine, or what, yeah, I was, that was over the moon. I was ecstatic to get that platforming, the core platforming mechanics back and experimentation. This just seems very strange. So I, I but I'm, of course, I'm day one gonna buy it. Yeah, it's a Mario game, but but I I don't like other hosts on this panel. I don't own a Switch, so yet I don't know if that's gonna make you me can do keep, it. You can keep saying yet, and I'm still not forking over the because it's expensive. You know, too. if you guys are are at the stage in your life where you are just saying, look, Mario games, Zelda games, they're not for me. Fine, you're at that stage in life. But, I, I want to emphasize that you're paying that much money just for those two games, basically. Right, yes. Yeah. And, and so we just finished a whole section where we talked about $500 is way too much for a console. Yeah. And then we're talking about a Switch that when you add up all of the things... Oh, that by come the time you buy sw- two games and the console, you're there. We're there. And then, like, the Joy-Con pricing is really out of control. And You don't need an extra Joy-Con. What is the Switch? Is it 300 Three, I thought it was three fifty. No, maybe it's three hundred. I I think it's well worth it. Okay, um, I mean that's what everyone that's owned one has said. Zelda to me. alone is worth it. I mean Zelda, Zelda, you you're, can't even compare. Like as I said, you're no, talking about a three hundred fifty dollar game. There, no basically. game, yes. Because yeah, what's I, the dollar per hour? Like how much enjoyment have you got? I I don't think any game has the right to to charge sixty dollars anymore. Except for Zelda. Like, Zelda's now, if that's a $60 game, everybody's got to be 50, 40, 30. I know, but our threshold is getting lowered because we pay 99 cents for an iPhone game. And that uh, gives us, you know, almost as much pleasure. So That's not fair. Uh, that they, Apple, yeah, Apple ruined people's expectations with, uh, with mobile games. I'm kind of fine blaming Apple for stuff. That's been my go-to on this <laughs> podcast for we've a while. We've got Apple, we've got Microsoft, maybe we can uh, keep going. Uh, anything else from E3? Oh, yeah. you know the met- new Metro game. I've never played the Metro games, but they look phenomenal. Like their their engine tech is stunning. Uh, this new one looks amazing. Uh, f- Xbox One and Windows Ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about some of the other Nintendo things? We haven't talked about Metroid. Yet. Yes, Metroid. Two Metroids. Yep. <clears throat> so we have a Metroid Prime Four, which is coming out for the Switch, and uh, we got a video of that, of the logo. Yeah, I, I, like, say, I thought it was just a bunch of stills. Yeah. Like, yeah, no stills, <laughs> just the logo, a video. Yeah, great. I mean, that's that is marketing. Um, but you know, that's all people need. Yeah, people uh, love. Yeah, the people Prime. lost their mind at that. <laughs> Nintendo won E3 by putting up a logo for Metroid. Basically, yeah. I mean, I have nostalgia for Metroid. Like that was my youth. You know, right after Super Mario Brothers, it was Metroid. That was my second game on my NES, and like that feels good like i want more samus i want more of that but yeah. i never got into actually the the 3d 
Metroids. I didn't either. Uh, the, but, for the, the uh, GameCube. Yeah, was GameCube. First yeah, one. yeah. I tried them and and I just couldn't get into them. I I much prefer the. 2D. I, I think I tried them at a Best Buy. Like that was my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where I tried them. Um, but so, I don't know. But I'm I'm always up for something new and yeah. maybe I'll try this. the The other one is a Metroid Samus Returns, which is a 3DS title coming out later this year, uh, which no one saw coming. Yeah. And this is this looks like old school 2D side scrolling. Like Metroid is the name of a subgenre now, Metroidvania. Yeah. So you're getting what you, what you want. Which is weird that you're getting kind of like, not that it's a triple A game, but it's like a high profile game on an old piece of hardware. Like, yeah. that's that seems weird. I don't know. Like, maybe there's a strategy there, but um, I guess their install base is huge. So. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to highlight from... Uh no, E3. I have I, I have two so. things. I mean, we'll talk about. There's a lot of VR stuff. Yeah, we'll, we're going to we'll talk about the we'll VR stuff. There's two things I want to highlight. Um, I thought the most interesting game I heard about was A Way Out, the mandatory co-op game that you're in prison and you have to break out. Uh, the, I think it's from EA. the developer of uh, Brothers, which is on Steam. Yeah, everyone, everyone should play. Hazelight, I think, is the name of that company. Right? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, um, excellent. That looks a ton of fun. And it's like, who in their right mind would make a co-op only game? But thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited about that. Me I too. mean, yeah. EA got ate a lot of shit for their press conference at, at E3. But I thought this was really interesting. I haven't played a mandatory co-op game in forever. Yeah. Uh, new, new mechanics, new things. Yes, sign me up. And I thought it was a prison break game. And once you break out, game over. Mm-hmm. But no, like that's just the beginning. You're out in the world trying to survive. It looks a lot of fun. Uh, and then Neil deGrasse Tyson announced a game, and I'm just saying that because Neil deGrasse Tyson announced a game. It's on Kickstarter. He partnered didn't, didn't hear with about some it. company. I, I don't think it looks very good. <laughs> like, what, what kind of game? They don't it? have any sort of game shots. It's about space exploration. Shocking, I know. Hmm. But there's a Kickstarter going for it. I don't know. And ne- Neil deGrasse ne- Tyson well, Neil, Skyped into Neil E3. Kickstarter and game hasn't had a good reputation. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, uh, Are you being sarcastic? Yeah, the sword fighting game. What was the, uh, uh, wasn't it Neil Gaiman had the, oh, that whole debacle? Yeah. yeah. They found out that sword fighting wasn't fun if it was realistic. Oh, getting stabbed, no, not fun? Yeah, well, I think it's just the mechanics are hard. <laughs> it's actually hard to sword fight in real life. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, is there anything you heard, Zach, from E3 that you're excited about? No. Yeah. No, really not. I mean, yeah, some VR stuff. I'm like, yeah, more, but nothing that was just like, I want to play that now. I mean, it's a lot of it's kind of rehashed. And, you know, I don't need another fill in the blank, you know, volume four. I, I want something different. And I haven't seen anything different in a long time. I think there's a lot of indie stuff that probably goes under the radar that probably showcases around E3 that just gets covered up. So hopefully that'll yeah. sort of come to the surface over the next couple of weeks uh, once the the big game developers, um, it, you know, the, it fades from mm-hmm. view. Uh, a cup, One other game story mm. that Zach brought to us. <laughs> There's been a new record set, Jeremy. No. Yes, a perfect Miss Pac-Man score. That hadn't been done before? Oh, I'm sure it's been done by a human. This was done by an AI. Wow. Oh, first go and now Miss Pac-Man. I know, well. What's this AI that did this? So there's a company that I think Microsoft bought not that long ago. They basically designed a, you know, a neural net uh, system to play Miss Pac-Man. And and I think it's, it's, it's actually, it's a great 
sort of application for AI because you have, you know, there's a, a goal that's easily monitored. You know, you can get that feedback loop of, did my score go up? So I can train my neural net really easily. And, you know, it makes sense, these kind of games. And, you know, it's a it's it's real life just simplified. I mean, if we had, uh, you know, if we had a scorekeeping for driving, I'm sure our self-driving cars would be much better because they'd be able to kind of, you know, score themselves. But this is a this is a way that we can kind of learn how to build this software. And, you know, it's it's a it's a cool thing. It's it's an achievable goal. So first of all, the thought of a self-driving car thinking of driving as being a game is terrifying. Oh, it's all a game. Come on, yeah, Jeremy. No, no, no. <laughs> and I get you. I It is legitimately terrifying, and I'm now scared. There, there are ghosts <laughs> chasing you, and you have to eat all the little pellets on the road. So you know, like when you ever... watch those Grand Theft Auto movies, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, wow, my car could do that flip over the bridge? Maybe. So, so literally, when Tesla gets in a wreck, it just gets a deduction and a score. It does. It, boo, boo, wow, boo, boo. that's terrifying. That <laughs> Don't is worry. I have four more lives as the car. But second of all, as far as Ms. Pac-Man goes, is it learning the patterns? Because that's how players do it. Like players just know the patterns of of the each each level. Well, so I mean, this okay, this gets in deep of like, what is a neural net actually doing? Yeah. Like you know, do you do you do we as humans really understand? Uh, I mean, it clearly it has to be getting some some inherent knowledge about the game. But is it is it just doing rote re- recitation of the patterns that it learns work, or as it progresses level by level? Or is it actually just continually using logic to avoid and taking different paths? I wonder. I, I don't know. And would that path just not be the exact same path every time because the ghosts go in the same direction? I think there's some randomness to it. There aren't, I mean, there aren't in, I don't think so. I think that there are there are patterns there are, you can learn. It's to, just to straight Batman. pattern recognition. I'm pretty sure. Okay. You I, know more about Miss Pac-Man than I do. I mean, I know that's that's the case for Pac-Man because people will memorize those patterns. Don't we have Miss Pac-Man out there? You could buy, no. I don't, is that, a, is, is, isn't that Miss Pac-Man? I thought that was Millipede. Oh um, no! What's the tabletop one? That's what I mean, Millipede. It is. Oh, okay. Um, but um, yeah, and there were books you could buy with with the Pac-Man patterns back in the day. Oh yeah, you know. Well, I, I mean, I think they do follow some. I mean, ag- algorithmic. Yeah. You know, patterns, but I don't know if they play those same patterns over and over. Like they do. Is is there a random seed that once it's once you flip the game on, it plays all the way through? Because then you could just be like, yeah. I just have a list of moves that always work. That's what I'm saying. That that that's what oh. you do. Well, then this is a way less exciting story than I originally thought. Well, unless the AI doesn't do that. Like, if they, if they actually do, I'd be curious. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah, curious. Yeah. Fair enough. I'd be curious. I think we need more yeah. research. I think we're only a few years away from the E3 AI track where there's just no humans in the room and just AI is talking to each other. I'm really excited about <laughs> you taking on, um, a, you know, Missile Command next week or whatever it is. Yeah, but Yeah, but the voice synthesis won't be very good. Oh yeah, well that's fine. It, 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 does, it doesn't need to be it's Whopper, right? You know, it's from uh, from right. War Games, right? You know, from Missile Command. Yeah. I I don't know how many of the E3 uh, conversations you watched. The emoting is not very <laughs> oh, high at those either. Be, oh, that's rude. <laughs> Come on, those guys are doing their best. No, but I'm just saying it wasn't the most dynamic things you've ever seen. I'm I'm hoping the AI at least needs us to read for them. <laughs> they need an avatar, <laughs> exactly. right? They need the like the go, go player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, we're going to fire through a bunch of other tech news stories. Alphabet finally sold off our favorite robot tormentors, Boston Dynamics. Yeah, Norm submitted this story from afar, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. We've known Boston Dynamics has been on the chopping block for a long time. I think the reports are Google's never been satisfied with any sort of tangible stuff that has come out of that company. 
And initially, we thought that um, the acquisition was about talent um, acquisition hmm. for their ro- growing robotics division. I guess they've reached whatever peak they want, and it's been sold to SoftBank. Who's that? It's basically it's basically a Japanese telecommunications company. Hmm. And they talked about the potential of Boston Dynamics, which is the same phrase I've heard for I don't know eight years now about the potential of these human human robot. Human. Did I say human? Human. Did I go full Ferengi on this podcast? Human. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm just channeling the soft bank culture. (laughs) Always looking for Latinum in the wrong places. Uh, Yeah, this this is a... a, This means Boston Dynamics still going forward. I mean... mean, I am a big fan of robots. I, I, that, who's not, right? I mean, but really, these seem, they, they've got kind of like, you know, two, two practical uses, you know, military and taking over the world. Like, that's it. I, I, I don't see them as like, I need a robotic dog that carries my stuff. There's, like a, there's a huge industrial application, right? Yeah, but but robotic arms do a pretty good job. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need walking. Like, walking is actually, you know, unless I'm going through uneven terrain, unless I'm, you know, and, and yes, I mean, there there's core technology there, the feedback and, and sort of dealing with humans and sort of that soft, squishy, whatever that, that they're really good at. But in a factory, I don't, I don't need that. Like, I need, you know, I need super fast moving things. I need to be able to do, you know, high-end processing, like vision and, and those sorts of things. I don't see Boston Dynamics as like that's their main thing. They they've created these cool, you know, smart walking devices, but unless we're trying to like go through a forest, I, I don't I don't see the real practical use there. Yeah, that stabilization really has military applications right now. There you go. I mean it is definitely it is one of those research frontiers though. That needs to be overcome to get to like a next iteration. Well, I want so it for somebody, my neck. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's what I want it for, is so that I can drive around. But I, yeah, that's not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not there yet. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, there are some uh, people wondering if this is really with when Andy Rubin left Google. He was the one that was sort of the cult of personality about like humanoid robots hmm. at Google. So this could just be sort of the vacuum of him leaving uh, a little bit. So. Tier for tier for Boston Dynamics, but also, you know, now they're owned by a Japanese company, so shit might get real weird over there. Bring it. <laughs> more 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 viral videos, right? Let's also let's talk about some other sort of failures. Uh, Zach brought up the fact that we have another Kickstarter hardware failure, which actually I think is an interesting oh, no. conversation. <clears throat> what is it? So the uh, sleep tracker. Uh, horrible name called hello <laughs> um they they have their device the sensor um again a very not googleable yeah name. totally not Google-able. you might recognize it as this like egg-shaped thing with like a nest of a nest it's like a ball design. of string yeah yep um and and again the the idea you know i i'm definitely somebody who has poor you know sleep habits and and yeah having the whole censored system to watch me sleep and to help me get better sleep. I'll sign up for that. But again, it's one of these companies that they, they come up with this great idea. They go through the process. They put it out on Kickstarter. They make a cool video. They raise some money. That raises them more money from the VC world. And then something happens and they work on it for a long time and it sort of you know gets pushed out and pushed out and pushed out and then they burn through their runway and now they're gone. Do you see that as a 
failure. I mean, you're the way you're describing things like that feels like how hardware companies have existed for a long time. It is there is, something different? Well, so they typically don't use customers' money to develop. I mean, that's the big shift, right? So mm -hmm. before it was, you know, the founders, the initial investors, they're the ones who are putting in the money and they're taking the risk. And there's been this sort of shift. And I think there's not a lot of great communication with how much risk there is in developing hardware to that customer that's pre-ordering. And the problem is when you see the word order, I, I think of that as like Amazon, like I press order, I get a thing. And when I say pre-order, it's just like, oh, that thing's gonna be delayed a little bit. And whether it's Glowforge or you know one of the other thousand different Kickstarters, my expectation as a consumer is I'm going to get a thing regardless of what happens in the background. The problem is, and I know this really well because what I do for a living is I touch a lot of early hardware and I make prototypes and I do these things for these companies, hardware's really hard. And you know it's, it's easy to get a piece of hardware to do 90% of what they want it to do. So you know when they make the claim of like, oh yeah, this is gonna track your sleep and this is gonna sense you and your breathing and your heartbeat and your, all of these things, it's like, oh yeah, I can show that working 90% of the time, but for a product, it's gotta work 100% of the time. In or all like these... 98, 99, like right. somewhere up there. Yeah, 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 but I mean, it's like, you know, it's gotta, you know, it's gotta have all the certifications, it's gotta be manufacturable, and it's gotta be made, it's gotta be able to be produced for the price that I'm offering it for. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges these companies you know, they're niche markets. They're only going to make a small number when you compare it to, you know, an iPhone or whatever. But as a consumer, we're, we're used to this pricing kind of threshold of, you know, what comes with making a million of something or a few million of something that brings the price way down. But these niche companies that are only making a few thousand of them in the initial run, well, it costs way more to make a few thousand than it does a few million of it when you divide it all up. So I think the expectation is and the, the promise is, I'm going to sell you a $150 device and you know, sure I can put on Kickstarter and I can sell a thousand of those, but then when it actually comes to making them and, and they run through the numbers and they're not maybe the most experienced cause it's a new company and they go, Oh, well it actually costs $300 for me to even make them like that just doesn't work as a business. And, and sometimes it gets obfuscated in the process of design. You're like, Oh, well we'll, we'll cost it down at the end or we'll, you know, figure it out. And then they get to the end and they're like, Oh shoot it's still $300, then it's no longer business. And I imagine that's what happened because I've seen it happen. A lot of my customers, they come to me, we build that first one, it's really cool. And then by the time it gets to production or close to production, it fizzles out or they go, yeah, we just, we don't have a business there. I don't, I don't think there's any excuse for this. I mean, they, they knew going into it, the risks that there's no minimum number you can require. I mean, you can require a minimum um, take on Kickstarter in terms of the, the, yeah, but the that, amount that you raise, but, but you nobody, can't. nobody can make something for that minimum. And if you just said, "I have a minimum of ten, you know, that, ten million dollars," that is on that is on the person running the Kickstarter. Absolutely, and that is one hundred percent on them. They need to keep those numbers in line, and and if they don't, that's their failing. And yeah, but that's not a that's not a reliable resource. Is I'm just going to trust the people running these Kickstarters to do it, right? That, that's part of the game. I mean, if you're going to back a Kickstarter, that's the risk you're taking. Well, and, I think and Kickstarter is very clear about that. Like, if if you do not receive your award or anything in return, Kickstarter is not liable. I wonder if there's not, you know, going to be a uh, insurance policy you can take out on the, mm. the things that you back, like travel insurance. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, but and the, here's here's really the challenge that I see with this one too. They not only had Kickstarter, but then they also took pre-orders through like their website and sort of other places. And the second you're not on Kickstarter, I think you know people that are on Kickstarter that understand it or like you know as consumers, I'm search, searching for that next cool thing. Yeah, I kind of get it, and I think you know you and I are kind of a little bit more informed in that consumer realm. Like you you've had Kickstarters, so mm-hmm. you know that process. So you go, okay, yeah, there's some risk involved. But I think the buzzwords of like, you know, Kickstarter and oh, there's this cool thing and it's just people kind of wander in on it. And it's like, I see Kickstarters on my Facebook feed and I imagine so do most people. So, you know, they may just click on it and go, you know, oh, look, this thing I can order. And, you know, there's not a true understanding and and nobody reads the fine print. I mean, that's just... Well, hold on now. I mean, most Kickstarters do succeed in in fulfilling their, their... well, I don't know what the numbers are, but yeah. I have a, I, it's got to be most. Yeah, and I think there's probably a small small percentage that completely fail, uh, but and those are the ones that should get all the press because we need to bring shine all the spotlight we can on those guys right. because they are in the wrong, and uh, you know people need to know that that's part of the risk that you take. But I also don't know if I buy that this is a failure. I mean, they delivered product, um, and I think I, I mean just for this one. It may not be true for some of the other ones in this category. Like, wait, yeah. did they deliver all of their uh, fulfillments? Yeah, yeah, they then were what, in Target. Then what's, with the, this what's the problem? So they delivered it's the just, fulfillments and then it failed? No, I mean, yeah, the company there, there's just a bunch folded. Of pre, there's a bunch of pre-orders because they actually said in their release, like, "Can I get a refund?" And they're like, oh. "If you order it from us, no." Oh, uh, so, <laughs> so maybe there are some people that didn't get it. Yeah, uh, got it. But and, and that sucks. That sucks. But I also think because of how much press like Kickstarters and others given this has become an easy story to write and I think we like there probably was a lot of hardware failures that we used that just went under the radar because they weren't funded publicly well they they never made it to market so you never heard about them yeah you never heard about them so I think we're just seeing them now yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're coming to market quote unquote well part of the part of the game is I need to announce my thing way earlier than I would normally yeah. to get press to see if it's even a product. I mean, part of that whole Kickstarter game is, yeah, I'm not actually making enough money to produce the thing through Kickstarter. I mean, some products are that way. They're like they're they're sort of small enough, and 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 you know the the actual development time isn't huge. And yes, those that whole cycle can happen on Kickstarter. And like you said, I think a lot of those succeed because you know it's you're not solving any real technological problem. Um, you're just kind of combining technologies together, and yes, I can do that in my garage. But some of these ones that are really, you know, ambitious, that are like, okay, we need to use, you know, chipsets that are brand new, and I'm relying on these companies to, you know, give me a new sensor or a new part, or you know, there's all these things that have to line up, especially when you're making more than just one of of a thing, and they learn that there's like delays and there's, you know, problems with, you know, first run of whatever it happens to be, you know, there's problems all the way up the chain that again, we never would have seen in the sort of the normal development cycle and the old school development cycle, but now it's in the public. So we totally see it. And and we love it. The only problem and and telling you in 99% of the cases, those problems are forgiven as long as there's good communication. Wow. And the pitfall that so many back, you know, Kickstarter campaigns fall into is forgetting that right. and not updating their backers on what's going on with the delays yeah. constantly. If they send regular updates and they stay in touch with their backers, with the people that funded their campaign, 
in 99% of the cases, every, everybody's cool. You know, I mean, uh, Glowforge has offered refunds for, since day one of missing their, their initial deadline. Um, and they're finally making good on, on their promises this year, although that wasn't a Kickstarter. Um, I was going to say, where's your Glowforge? Yeah, well, it actually, it's actually shipping. Like, Oh, you um, got a notice that it's yeah, shipping? Yeah, I got notice that it's shipping, so, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's all about communication. I just wish more people would, more people who have Kickstarters that have slipped uh, would remember that. All right, it's time for the lightning round of tech news. Um, and we'll and we'll do some quick reactions from you. I'm gonna throw out a story. You let me know what you think about it real quick. Oh my gosh. Hulu debuted their live TV today. What's here that? are the here are the stats. Okay. Forty dollars a month. Pretty good channel lineup comparatively to like Sling and YouTube TV. It's mm -hmm. pretty comparable. Okay. They have the Turner channels, but they don't have Comedy Central or Discovery or uh, AMC. Uh, six uh, six profiles, two streams simultaneously. Mm. Fifty hour DVR, cloud DVR. What does that mean? Like anything I want, just you can saved you can you, anything you want gets saved to the cloud, hmm. but you have a fifty hour capacity. Okay, which is totally just kind of a made up because they have it all recorded anyways. It's just how many pointers do you get to your shows? That's got to be a contractual issue. Like with their providers. No, with, this with, feels with like the, a carry-on issue, like a hidden fees kind of thing. Right, we can upgrade your DVR, you know, if you pay an extra $10 a month or whatever it's it is. $15 a month to upgrade to 200 hours of cloud DVR service. I, I wonder about that. I wonder mm. if it's not a licensing issue for them. But, but so I don't know, you know, again... I'm all about cord cutting. Like I, I'm a Roku, I'm a Netflix, Amazon, all those. This doesn't seem like a better deal than what I got from Comcast years ago before I cut my cables. Like for forty bucks, I got all of the channels and more. And I already have to. I still have to pay Comcast for my internet. At least that's what I'm doing. But it's like eh, I don't know what's good about that. I totally agree. I mean, it's all about the interface. If they have a really solid UI that may, is a game changer, can't imagine it's true. I'm pretty disappointed yeah. in this. Uh, it's just too expensive. Yeah. All right. Next, what the hell is happening at Uber? Like, what the, what the, what the hell? <sighs> what, what? You were Hot supposed mess. to be the chosen one. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Uber. <laughs> we all agree. It's yeah, a mess. Like, Jesus. Uh, uh, AirPods can link to your Apple TV. Yeah, so that's funny. I don't know. Is that you're an AirPod user, or is that just normal? No, I don't have them. I've used them. I've borrowed a friend. All right. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it's interesting because often I'm going to watch TV, and I'd like to do it without annoying everybody else. And now there's a very easy way to do that. This is no different than stereo headphones that have wireless headphones that have ex existed yeah but some you know you don't have those yeah you have the airpods suddenly you have this new capability rokus can hook up bluetooth too can they to any bluetooth yeah. i know my, my roku has ones. a has a network or a uh, phone jack on its remote that i use yeah they yeah. do that yeah, too. yeah that's handy but and now they can you can listen jack. through the app on your phone yeah 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 what do you mean a phone jack like an, arch, like an RJ11 jack? No, no, no. no. A, 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 a eighth inch <laughs> headphone jack. Headphone. Sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's got a modem in it. That's right. <laughs> There's no Ethernet port on there, but uh, no, it's just an audio jack. Okay. Uh, I, this is fine. The problem isn't with the, the headphones with Apple TV. It's the Apple TV itself. Oh. What's wrong with Apple TV? I like 
good luck. Uh, I just think the interface isn't there. The thawing with Amazon is the first like mm. breakthrough of yeah. like different content providers coming through. But I think it's still walled garden. There isn't enough stuff on the Apple TV yet. Uh, I think that remote sucks. The remote you know, is miserable. All you got to do is 3D print an enclosure for it. That's the that's the deal. Right, because everybody's going to do that. Don't they? What the Don't they all have 3D printers? Give me a break. Yeah, you 3D print it so you know which way's up and you're set. Put a sticker on the bottom. <laughs> I, I know all of these things can be done. <laughs> it's, you know, the Siri, it's that's the one place I use Siri, is mm-hmm. the, the voice search. You just say, you know, Avengers, and it, like, brings up wherever Avengers yeah. is. All those other boxes do that, too, yeah. at this point. Um, and finally... This is this is podcast inside game. Apple is finally going to release real metrics for podcast creators. This is great. This is actually, I think, tremendous like news. Ten- As somebody that has a couple podcasts, I'm like, all the information you usually get is how many people downloaded it, right, which yeah. means nothing because you don't know if they actually listen to it until you get the hate tweets at you. Well, and which it, is a sign of and it automatically listening. everybody automatically downloads their podcast. Yeah. So. This is literally like 10 years overdue. <laughs> it's so far overdue. I mean, it's amazing. Seriously, yeah. iTunes has been doing podcasts for a long time. And and wow. Thank God. So this this will give some information of how long people are listening, where they're listening, some other metrics that are interesting in terms of what else they like in the in sort of the universe. It's huge. I think this is a a real changer in that in that marketplace. And and to put it into context, I I saw this stat. So, uh I like sports. Mm. I, I watch this channel called ESPN from time to time. Their most popular non-live sports uh, show is this uh, show called Pardon the Interruption. It's this kind of back and forth yelling show. There's about a million people that watch that a day. Um, the top rated sports podcasts get a million and a half listens for their episodes. And those are usually about like three times a week. So it's not quite apples to apples, it's close. but it's pretty close. Um, so the marketplace here is is pretty massive when we're talking about things. And so if those people are getting shitty metrics too, uh, this is a, a pretty big changer. Even yeah. for us, we're going to know so much more about you soon. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> we All know right. what you're wearing and as you listen to this podcast. Yeah. We know it's no pants. Come on. We know that from demographic service. Mm-hmm. We hope. <laughs> uh, do we have a message from Norm? Support for this week's episode of This Is Only a Test comes from Proper Cloth. We all know that finding a dress shirt that fits is hard. Whether the collar is too tight or the sleeves are too long, something always seems to be off. Luckily, ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier, thanks to Proper Cloth. At propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt size in seconds just by answering 10 easy questions. It's a foolproof process. You don't even need measuring tape. Plus, Proper Cloth has over 500 fabric styles to choose from, including premium Italian and Japanese fabrics, as well as business and casual styles, all starting at just $85. And best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees a perfect fit. Meaning that if somehow your shirt doesn't fit perfectly, well, they'll remake it for free. No wonder Proper Cloth is the highest rated custom shirt maker on Google. It's truly the future of shirts. So stop wearing shirts that don't fit and start looking your best with a custom fitted shirt. Go to propercloth.com slash test today and use the gift code test, T-E-S-T, to save $20 on your first shirt. Check them out and thank them for sponsoring this week's episode. Now back to the show. 
Moment of Science. We have three quick stories, but first, let's talk about what happened last week. Jeremy brought up a story about gravitational lensing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, About light bending around a star and reaching a telescope here and what that meant. And Jeremy nailed it. I'm basically a scientist. That was awesome. So, like, the idea of this is we've used this technique of light bending around... Uh, objects and using understanding that that deflection uh, to understand all sorts of um, things about the the uh, where that light originated from the the stars that it came from. Typically, we've had to use galaxies as a big source of gravity for that light bending. What was unique about this story is that it was just across a single star, a big star. Yeah, and it was it was a dwarf star, and we were able to understand its its um, its mass and size. Dwarf sounds small. No, but it's a big star. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I didn't know the part about galaxies. Yeah. That's good context. I mean, gravitational lensing made it into interstellar. That's how hip gravitational lensing is. Hot damn. Yeah. That All was, right. That's cool. Three quick stories this week. I always talk about CRISPR. Yay. This is the, uh, I think it's now being called molecular scissors. It's basically the cut and paste uh, uh, technique of, of being able to edit uh, a specific genome. It's revolutionized biology. We've seen such adoption of this. And if you're in the Bay Area on Monday, you can see me talk with the one of the originators of this technique, Jennifer Downa, on stage at City Arts and Lectures. You're welcome, promo. <laughs> that was um, a freebie. That was a freebie there. Um, but there was a study that came out a couple weeks ago um, saying that the edits, the actual cut part, is not as precise as other studies would lead you to believe. And this is sort of blown up uh, in the world because if uh, if you have scissors, but they don't cut where you think they cut, that's a pretty big problem. Yeah. The studies come under significant fire, including from Jennifer Downer, who I'm interviewing next Monday, uh, citing problems with their statistical analysis. This was done in mice, and there was a lot of concern on how they were reproduced, um, and there is some concern over how it was peer-reviewed as well. Uh, but this study warrants some some attention in the sense that if there's more studies that come out and say this technique isn't as accurate as we think, that could collapse a whole in you know industry, if we will. So there's some growing pains. But this new technology, it's still, they're figuring it out. I mean, it's just like the hardware startup conversation. No. It's pretty much the same. <laughs> it's pretty much the same exact thing. Um Two other quick stories. Let's talk about my most hated animal on this planet. Mm. The deadliest animal on this planet. The mosquito. Wow. He, is that is that true? Mosquitoes kill more humans than any other How about that? animal. I think they kill 100,000 humans a year. Uh, maybe more than that. I hate mosquitoes. Everyone hates mosquitoes. No I, one's like, yeah, they're my friends. My kids, dude. <laughs> my kids do. When I, no, when I go up to, to kill a mosquito... They almost start to cry. Uh, they love animals so much. You need to move. You need to move somewhere or, that's or going find, to give them a rougher education. Or find about different stuff. children. Yes, <laughs> <you're> like <laughs> totally. That's incorrect. Now, it's adorable, but I do. I have to tell them that no, mosquitoes must die. I, I every time I'm just like, no, there's a line here. We we draw. We let the spiders go. We free them into the yes. to the world. Spiders are great. They but get we, a bad rap in Hollywood. We but murder the mosquitoes always. We, you know there were no mosquitoes on Hawaii until the, the white man 
came on their ships and brought the mosquitoes along with snakes, but I, they actually are no snakes. As The Rock says, you're welcome. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, a new technique in terms of killing mosquitoes. I'm allergic to mosquitoes. That's why I hate them. Um, but scientists have found a fungus that can actually hit a specific species of mosquito and penetrate through their exoskeleton with the spore, and then it can kill them. But they're like, you know, not deadly enough. It doesn't kill them fast enough because mosquitoes reproduce really quickly. So they're like, where can I get a source of toxin that's going to make this even deadlier? And they're like, let's go to our friends, the spiders. But let's not stop there. What about scorpions, too? Wow. This this is how 28 Days Later, is this like, <laughs> yeah. this is how it starts. Somebody has this great idea. Oh, we can make this toxin better. <laughs> yeah, no. That's... They blended a, a scorpion and a spider venom um, into this uh, fungus spore. And so now when it, it, it gets into, penetrates a mosquito shell, it, it definitely kills it much faster. There's no way this is hitting any sort of 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 um, sort of commercial viability because there's all sorts of risks about the um, the spore causing um, horizontal gene transfer, which will cause like problems in other animals and stuff. Well, so, yeah, this isn't a mosquito specific repellent. No, but poison. I'm going to bring up every study that says we know how to kill mosquitoes better mm-hmm. onto this podcast. All right, we know how to kill mosquitoes better. Lasers. Laser, that video is one of my favorite videos on the internet where they use lasers to shoot down mosquitoes. One of my favorite. Was that things. a Bill Gates thing? Uh, no. When he released all the mosquitoes into that the was... into the hall? No, I don't think he used lasers. Okay. Did he? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Bill Gates is the poster child of enemy of mosquito. I feel like they have, Good for him. like, in their, like, Legion of Doom, they have a poster of Bill Gates up. <laughs> Public enemy number one. I believe so. One last one that Zach brought up. Um, we have a launch tonight. NASA's launching Ho- something. Hopefully. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, if the weather holds. Yeah. So you want to describe what the launch is doing? Uh, I'm actually sort of confused exactly what they're solving, but they, they, need, they have some reason that they want to be able to inject gas into the upper atmosphere. And the way that they're testing this is by launching these canisters that have... Um, colorful and light up clouds oh so dude which sounds awesome like i just want to see this and it may you know it may just be like a disneyland electric light parade kind of show but if you're somewhere i think they said between was it new jersey yeah if you're on the new jersey coast which is already a terrible place to be so so yes look up and and see the colorful clouds that nasa is throwing into the atmosphere so what they're doing is injecting some um uh, different uh, elements like barium and strontium uh, that will create these colored clouds in the ionosphere, which is a you know high up um, uh, particular area in the atmosphere to study the wind patterns up there. And right. so they'll be able to see how these clouds move. Oh, that's cool! And help them, and that'll help them detect. Uh, uh, particles from space better, and if you think understand the, the currents from there. If you think the chemtrail guys are having a problem <laughs> with, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, wait for the the colorful clouds coming in the sky. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I, I didn't even think about that. I need to monitor Twitter as soon as oh. this happens, because yeah. like Twitter's become a place where anytime like a a jet flies over San Francisco Bay Area, there's like a stream of people being like, "Why is there a jet flying over?" Everyone gets nervous. What will happen when colored clouds hit the oh, sky? Absolutely. 
I mean, it's close encounters, right? Like this is. That's what I'm thinking. The UFO community is going to go oh, huge, bonkers. Huge. This is an amazing opportunity. I never thought about that next level of viewing. Don't view the clouds. View the people viewing the clouds. That's what it's about. Oh, that is amazing. It's like Danica taking pictures of Norm taking pictures. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> The VR Minute Virtual Reality This Week Don't you love that theme? I love it. That's the best. So guess what, Oculus Rift owners? There was a new game announced and released on the same day last week. Came out of nowhere. Witchblood. Had you heard about this at no, all? No. Nobody heard of it. <laughs> there might be a reason. <laughs> well, no. Actually, people like it. And it's a deal. It's like $8. It's on Oculus Home. It's a, a, a side-scroller 3D. Uh, side-scroller. God, there's a, the developer had a good term for this type of game, and I've forgotten it, but it's like a diorama-style game where you, you've got you know your situation in front of you, and it feels like a real little playset. But do I need VR to play it? No. I imagine not. And But that's this. True with Lucky's Tale and, you know, a Blaze Rush, lots of games yeah. that are kind of like that. And it uh, doesn't mean that there's not something realistic about watching it play out in front of you. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. That, that's a, that's a, something that you should make a distinction between. Yeah. But for eight bucks, uh, it's probably worth checking out. I actually have not played it yet, but uh, the people who have on Reddit seem to like it. I think it's probably well-priced. Um, <laughs> oh no! What, <laughs> that, dude? That is not something we see in VR. A, a resounding no. review. It's well priced. That is a big deal. No, I, I thought you meant in context because, like, a lot of VR games have been like you know forty, fifty bucks that exactly. have been worth like yeah. fifteen. Look at Bridge Crew. I mean, it's yeah. a great game that is not worth fifty dollars. This is true. Yeah. All right. Um, the the best news of the week, and I'm telling you this, having been to E3, yes, is that. Lone Echo not only has a release date of next month, but Excited. the multiplayer game, which they're now calling Echo Arena, will be free for uh, for a limited time. Obviously, this is an Oculus Studios game. Bundled so with the pre-order, right? No, it's just free. Free, free. Oh. Yeah. For everyone, for a limited time, it's got to... And that's... Yes, it's the way to do it because multiplayer games have a problem with the player base, especially when it's limited to Oculus Rift. But getting it out there for everybody is going to increase that as much as possible. Is this a, a sign of confidence of being like this is this is it? No, this I, is this is the game well, we want people to play. It's a sign of confidence for me because I, this is the game I've most been looking forward to, particularly this multiplayer sports game. What is? I don't remember how many people are on either side, but it's a it's a sports game where you've got uh, what like five people on either team, and you're you come out into this zero g chamber, not unlike the. Uh, Battle Room or whatever it's called from Ender's Game, and you have a Frisbee. It's in the middle, and you are all going towards the center, and you grab it, you try to throw it into the opposing team's goal. But it's zero-G, completely free motion. You're grabbing onto these structures in the middle, and you're throwing yourself off of them and then grabbing the next wall. You can grab onto people, uh, and they can't tell that you've grabbed onto them, and then you can punch them in the head, and you stun them for a few seconds. And uh, you're passing the disc to your teammates and you're talking to them and collaborating and trying to achieve these goals honestly i I played it at oc3 i did not get a chance to play at e3 disappointingly but i honestly i was buzzing buzzing i was i was a convert i said this is like they figured out how to do free motion in a comfortable way well now have you played the i'm sure you have the space station demo 
the yeah. ISS thing. The ISS yeah. thing. Yeah. And that, so that's a similar yeah. free motion, but I can't play that for more than like five minutes without getting nauseous. Uh, and I'll be curious to see how you handle um, uh, this Echo Arena because I did not have the problem in Echo Arena, whereas I also have a problem okay. with, with the All space right. station. So they've tweaked something. Well, th it's like it's you're not as confined for one. Like you're not in a tunnel. That helps. And the, you can grab anything, whereas I felt like... Things were not interactive in the same way that I expected. There's a lot of detail in the environment in the space station. This is just flat-shaded hmm. objects that you're grabbing. Much more open space, so there's a lot more time after you let go to drift and grab the next thing. But man, awesome, fun game. I'm excited this is going to be free for a limited time, so make sure to get it. Uh, you can actually pre-order now Lone Echo for $35, which is well-priced. The single-player game also looks great. We've only played the first 10 minutes, but it's set in a space station. You're a robot. And uh, you're protecting the humans. Lots of also the same style of movement. And and this is this is a precedent that we used to do all the time. Like back in the you know early 2000s and 90s, like having a demo that you could play before you bought the game, like that's what enticed people to play it. And and I think this is this is great for VR. Shareware. Yeah. Yeah, that's the story of Doom. Exactly. Uh, Wolfenstein and whatnot. Um, also, in uh, in uh, in sync with this announcement for Echo Arena is an announcement from, um, is it Intel? Yeah, Intel and Oculus, they have announced a $200,000 VR Challenger League. So you'll there's now going to be a, an eSports League. VR eSports. Yes, for uh, Echo Arena and, uh, what is that? What's that game? Uh, what's the spellcasting game that came out also free for the Oculus Rift? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, uh, un unspoken. Unspoken. Yeah. So th uh, those two games, there will be leagues who can play and compete for money. Hmm. You can now be a VR esports champion. It, are you also announcing that you're leaving Tested to pursue a VR esports career today? Uh, no, I'm not gonna do that because <laughs> I'm gonna be more of a ninja about it. I want to get good at Echo Arena. I really do. Uh, that's that's gonna be a fun one. I feel like it's gonna be the Rocket League for VR. But have they solved again? Being somebody who gets motion sick, we have, have to they solved find the it. viewer non-barfing problem? I'm telling you, like after I played it, that's what. That's well, but what, maybe playing. I, I'm just wondering, like, what yes. is it? How does it feel on the sidelines? And I'll, and I'll be curious to see what the wide reaction is to this because yeah, yeah. there's no way to play this game teleportation like it is free motion right but they take so many careful steps and after i finished playing it i was so excited that someone had figured this out that like michael labrash came and sat at our table and i was like have you played this game he's like no i haven't played it yet tell me why do you think it was successful and not being nauseating and we we sort of talked about it i was so excited like i mean the uh I think the fact that you, there's no acceleration and deceleration for one. Mm. You, the speed at which you move your arm when you're throwing yourself is the speed at which you travel. They cap it so you can't go too fast. But like there's as soon as you let go, it's instant motion. And then when you go to stop, it's instant stop. Right. I think that that st slowing and you know that ramp up and down. Yeah. That's what kills you. There's also no rotational forced changes at all ever so you in order to turn around you have to turn your body around well which is dangerous for people that have only a two camera system i found that like that's the one time that my system kind of glitches and when yep. the system glitches like my brain goes holy yeah. moly like something is wrong the, the earth is yeah. is broken and that's just throws me into instant nausea so yeah i'm worried that as i get wrapped in my cable you know because we don't have wireless yep. yet that's gonna throw me off and and then i'm gonna be Pearl City. Yeah. Uh, the only places I played it is when the controlled environment. So you're right. So that's I'll be very curious about. about that. Yeah. I'm very curious what the esports 
um, competitors look like? Because there's always been this conversation about esports competitors are athletes, just like everyone. Like this is a physical game that has, you know, actual well fatigue is going to be a part of. No, but I mean, there it, you are going to be moving around a lot more I, than in Dota Two and League of Legends. Fair enough, but I mean, like until we have like weighted hand controllers or something that actually puts some real, you know, force into the game. Fair I mean, enough. But I wouldn't be surprised if people, like, come up with really dynamic, you know, physical movements to enact something in the game. Yeah, maybe. Uh, You know, the the only game that I think really has a chance at being a workout is Sprint Vector so far. Have you seen that? (laughs) I I thought the the climb could, too, because it, like, really emotionally taxes you. Oh, you're you're sweating because you're nervous to fall, but... I don't know if you're getting a cardio workout. Though. Yeah, this is true. Sprint yeah. Factor, you get a cardio workout. Like I played that at, for the second time now at E3. This is the game that has you literally running, <laughs> in, you know, with your arms, and you're racing someone else. So there's this, you know, this adrenaline rush, and you're constantly jumping, and you're trying to fly, and you're now shooting uh, power ups, which is an addition that they've made. So you have this slowdown feature where you could fire a pellet into the ground and it explodes into a bubble and if your opponent passes through that they slow down and you're climbing walls just like in climbing and it's very much like you fling yourself and it's not zero g but it's low g and you float up and then you grab other things and you're running some more both times i played that i've needed water afterwards and my hands are doing this number wow so that's definitely that's definitely a workout i could see that happening um and that is one of the one of the games that um played at e3 uh that does not it's coming out this fall they don't have it, or they don't have released it yet. Um, All right, other Sony, VR news. Sony announced five VR games. Um, unfortunately, exclusives. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, exclusive to I PSVR. Know. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll some see. of them are timed. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately did not get a chance to play any of them, but one of them will use the PS Aim, which is a game that came out for Farpoint recently, which uh, Norm and I are big fans of. It's the gun that's completely really though. I mean, it just feels like a a thing that's gonna gather dust i was gonna say can i just tie my move controller to the nerf gun and like call it a day no because it has uh, controls. can i 3d print it i wish but it has controls on it like i've initially i thought it was just going to be a plastic gun with a move controller shoved into it like you do that with your move controller but no it's it's a real whole thing with all the controls on it and uh it's cool the new game is called bravo team uh it's more of a modern day shooter Uh, so if you do happen to have bought farpoint you're hoping that that gun will have another use it will uh, through this game called uh, Bravo Team. Uh, there's also Moss, which looks like another one of these diorama games, but with a, a mouse who is a cute little fighter. I think it has a sword. And mm. I don't think, I don't, from what I understand, you don't play as the mouse. Uh, you play as a third party who's assisting the mouse. I could be wrong about that, but that was the impression that I got. Is that, you're, you're the mouse's assistant? I, you might be the mouse's <laughs> the assistant. assistant to the regional manager? Like, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then there's uh, the impatient, which uh, has a a vibe a lot like uh, what's the <laughs> got the Oculus Studios game? Will, Wilson Hart. Wilson's Hart, yeah, exactly. Um, has a sort of horrorish vibe like that. Another one. I, I don't need more scares in my world. No, no. I don't either. I, I have a hard time with the VR games. Although Wilson's Hart walked that line well. Yeah. I, I don't know if I trust PlayStation quite as well uh, to walk that line. Uh, that they might scare me for real. Um, Star Child's another one, as well as. Who saw this comment? Final Fantasy, Monsters of the Deep. It's a fishing simulator, people. <laughs> it's a Final Fantasy fishing game. There's an audience. In VR. <laughs> so, go figure. Maybe that's going to be the sleeper hit. 
Maybe everyone's going to be talking about Final Fantasy fishing. fishing. <laughs> uh, Display Link showed off a f- dual 4K wireless streaming solution. So it's not who needs it yet, but this is now we are future proof. Yeah. More bandwidth. Um, yeah. It's Have a you lot watched of any VR streams? What do you mean? Like people streaming VR games. Uh, is, it in, is it watchable? That's not what I'm talking about, though. No, I, okay. You know that. Oh, got it. I know what you mean now. This is a tetheredless solution. This is got converting it, your it, HDMI yeah. cable to wireless streaming. Got but it, to answer it. your question, like when, in our house, when we play VR, it's a family affair, and we have a, a screen so that you can actually see the feed that's happening for the people that aren't wearing the headset, and it's a total barfarama. Like when you don't have control of your own head, it's it's a tough one. So. All right, Ubisoft. Uh, they they came out with some interesting VR games recently. Bridge Crew probably chief among them. Yes, uh, we all enjoyed that. You you played that some right? I, I, you enjoyed you, that. You talked me into it. I went home and bought it that night. What do you I, think? I love it. It's super fun. Like I feel. Like- I, I think it has a limited playtime. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. as a co op VR game. It is not worth the money, but yeah. from a I get to pilot a starship. That is an experience that I have not had before. And live in that universe. Yes. Okay, but so as Ubisoft... Far as, as far as I know, they have no big announcements uh, VR-related at E3, but they did have one that they teased. It's called Space Junkies. All mm-hmm. they released are three screenshots from it, but it's worth keeping an eye on. It looks like Lone Echo, but first-person shooter. Oh, interesting. So in outer space, uh, you are PvP against other people. And I, I was a believer, having played Lone Echo, that this will be a subgenre, that the zero-G um, locomotion works so well and reducing nausea that it will just right. be like, it will be the, the Doom prototype that everybody follows. Yeah, because first-person shooter doesn't translate well, so you need some locomotion that's not, you know, teleport, 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 teleport. Yeah. yeah. This, this kind of solves it, though I, I don't see enough difference to make it, like, super compelling. Like, yeah, going around in zero-G is fun, but I'm also my feet are on the ground. The world has to be small too. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, you Maybe know. you play Lone Echo and see what you think. You're right, yeah. Lone Echo. You are constrained. Like you have a sphere that you're in. So we'll see what that's like. But the graphics for you know, I, I think these are doctored screenshots. But in any case, I'm excited for the game. To keep your eye on it. Now on to the biggest <laughs> VR story of the week, or the weirdest it, it looking one. And the, what's fun? Okay, so go ahead, describe it. I just saw the video. That's uh, all anybody saw. Okay. Even HTC. I saw the video <laughs> uh, for Mario Kart in VR, and uh, it it starts with people sitting in chairs mm-hmm. wearing vibes um, that have, like, steering wheels in them. Uh, and so they're playing Mario Kart in a, you know... In a, a simulator. A, yeah. Uh, that has that point of view. And then where I sort of, like, screamed at my monitor is when they started using the weapons and they use the wand and have to lift up the shell off to their side above their head and throw it oh, I didn't catch using that. their arm. That's good. Yeah. So this is in a uh, location-based VR um, arcade. You know, arcade, kinda, exactly, yeah. in Tokyo called VR Zone. It's a Bandai Namco's VR Zone. And the Mario Kart is just one portion of it and it's a short part of the trailer but it's the part that caught everyone's attention but is it yeah, is it it's sanctioned smart. by nintendo or is this somebody just using it's the assets gotta be, dude. I mean, it's well re- does it yeah it's, it's gotta be it's in japan <laughs> but um i mean just saying lawsuits are much easier if, maybe if i don't country. know I... but uh what it isn't sanctioned by 
is a, is HTC because I I talked to them ah. at E3 and they're totally cool with it. Like they love this. Okay. But they weren't partners. Like they oh, okay. they had no idea. So they just they were as impressed by it as anybody else. I mean, I'm instantaneously wanted to do this. Of course. Like that was amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure it's super janked up. That's the dream. And, and who cares? Well, if there's enough if there's enough sort of infrastructure around you, somebody to hand you a new shell every time you have it or like the the missile or whatever, sure, I'll do that. That sounds great, but I mean it's it's a one-time thing. But the vibe is also perfect for it because with the room scale, like you actually can turn around. Well, except you're sitting in a chair. No, but can you imagine like actually turning your head behind you to try to see who's behind you? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good, that's right? Good, That'd yeah. be a great mechanic. Absolutely. Th- this is one step away from the dream of incorporating augmented reality Mario Kart into a real go kart. Yes, like th- that's the next step. That's yeah. that's the dream. But this is this is this is halfway there. I don't know. You want to talk about nausea? Like a <laughs> go kart, just all a real go kart with you in it starts spinning around. No, it wouldn't spin around. No, augmented reality, like augmented reality, solves the nausea problem inherently. That, that, that's no, what, but if you like, if you actually put in the mechanic of the car spinning oh, when yes. you get hit by a shell, <laughs> the yeah. banana peel. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, like a like another wheel comes down. I love it. We, we could build one. Maybe there's <laughs> there's a one day build. Yeah, in one week. That does sound fun. Uh, let me quickly just r- talk about a couple games I saw at E3. I don't want to go through the whole list because we'll probably do that on projections and the short future soon as Norm is back. But there's a game you probably haven't heard of called Vindicta that I want to give a shout out to. It's a small team, 10 people. They've been working on this game for six months and they've done a a really nice job on it. It's a co-op or it's going to be co-op soon, (laughs) I should say. That's on on their design plan, but they have single player working. It is a it's a first-person shooter, and you it's an interesting lo- locomotion mechanic that you've seen in Climby and some tech demos where you uh, hold a bu- the buttons and you do this number, and you move forward. But the cool thing is that you can do like little movements to move slowly or big movements to move fast, and you're ducking and, and rising, but you're shooting, and it's, uh, it's cool because you can control which way you're walking based on whether you want, based on how you want. So it can be which way you're looking, Mm. Or it can be which way your your controllers are facing, and that that's my preferred method. So that when you do this, you can look over here at the bad guys and walk the other way. Um, but lots of interesting uses of VR, where you're the same kind of thing as like Rec Room, where you're a bunch of bad guys and you're just trying to sh- shoot him. But also there's ladders that you climb, and sometimes it's a bad guy at the top, and you have to holster your weapon when you climb a ladder. So you're climbing, you're peeking your head up, you're getting your weapon, you're firing. Oh, that's off. cool. Yeah. And uh, it's it's the graphics aren't blow away. It's not Doom. But they're good enough. As, as we've talked about, graphics don't matter as much in VR. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for this game. And, you know, shout out to a small team that's, that's producing something cool. That's awesome. Can you do a no-look shot then? Absolutely. That Why would be you? badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Like, you can't do that in traditional 2D games. Mm-hmm. you got to look. Um, and I did play Doom VFR, which I was excited to play. It finally has a name. Uh, VFR. No one knows what the Let's F stands be, for. Well, it's, it's like the BFG. <laughs> you think? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's cool. It's the only of the three Bethesda games that's made from the ground up for VR. They also obviously have Fallout VR and Skyrim VR. Uh, both Which are, feel like a patch to me. Yeah. Uh, that and, Skyrim and I, thing's like, we need more microtransactions in Skyrim, so we'll uh, add VR to it. I played all three, and I, and I, I will say that the scale is weird in Fallout and Skyrim in a way that it wouldn't be if it was ground up. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially Skyrim. And I don't know if this is, I haven't seen anyone else mention this and it shocked me because the scale is whack. It's like the, I don't know if it's, uh, if the camera is zoomed in because the whole world feels compressed. 
and Z. So it's like things that are 20 feet in the distance feel almost two dimensional. And then as I walk towards them, they expand. And, and everything is also somewhat shrunken in the distance. So, so that like I, some weird FOV, like yes, yes, alignment. And, right. And, and which is like converting traditional games to VR has a problem with scale. Yeah. And so I think this is just an inherent issue. Or it's a factor of trying to compress Skyrim into the PSVR hmm. memory space. I don't know. In any case, it's weird. So like a doorway looks like a mouse hole. And as I walk towards it, it does expand, and I say, "Oh, I can fit through that." Is it a fog of war kind of thing where they're they're that's just the the choice they made to sort of minimize the RAM footprint because they can't show this big vast and also render it at the same time. Yeah. So they do this different technique, or I, I don't Com know. Maybe it's I have I mean, no what, idea. It it certainly I think in the end is probably a rendering issue. Okay. Just but maybe with a just world like Skyrim, that's so critical though, because you'll notice it because that's it's sort huge. of the point yeah. of Skyrim. Yeah, but at the same time, it's it's Skyrim. It's an immense game, and yeah. finally, and now you can explore that in VR, which is amazing. Same thing with Fallout, um, but uh, it'll be an interesting question to answer whether or not people want to spend that much time in VR. For me, I enjoy the shorter experiences. Yes, hour and a half is about a limit, right? Like the the quest in Rec Room or the the mission in Bridge Crew. I want to be in, and then I want to be finished and take it off. Having a 40, 80 hour game like Fallout. I don't know. I really don't know. And I'll be curious to see. I'm sure there are people that this want This is going to test your stamina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're slower paced games. But back to Doom. <laughs> back to Doom. But Fallout also, Pip-Boy, kind of genius. You just do this. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, that makes sense. So they made a lot of good choices. And Skyrim is completely frame rate smooth as butter. So that they got that but going But it, it. it is a six-year-old game. Yes. Yeah. So... Yeah. They should be able to. Mm -hmm. And it, it, that lends itself well to the current VR tech because right. it's this low res by default. Yep. Um, Doom VFR, it's fast paced, man. And those monsters are in your face. Uh, and the locomotion, I think, is well done. A lot of people are concerned that it wasn't free walking, that it's, there's two different ways of moving around the world. You can teleport by aiming. Uh, it's Vive. They're doing Vive. They're saying it's, it's a HTC Vive game. I believe all the, that they will support Oculus Rift, but everything's demoed on Vive. So you press the touchpad in the center, the world goes bullet time, and uh, you teleport. You get an, an arcing teleportation node, and when you let go, you, you warp there. Uh, but the other way to, to move around is by tapping the touchpad in various directions, which causes mm. you to um, like zap, uh, zap strafe. And that doesn't make you feel weird? No. Hmm. Um, for whatever reason, I'm sure they figured out the timing that it feels comfortable. But it's not a blink. It's not like a teleportation thing. Like you actually zap, zap strafe and then immediately stop. So it feels like a strafe. It totally feels like a strafe. Hmm. And it's basically like walking. I, I think people who are concerned that this isn't a free motion game temper those concerns so you play it because it really, it, there's no cooldown. You just keep tapping and you zip, 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 zip through the world. Okay, so you can go fast. Just like you would in the real game, yeah. So okay, so it it's is, limited by your speed, kind of like what your average speed would be. Kind of, I, I imagine so. Yeah. Like that's that's a dial that they have to adjust. Right. Um, mm. Teleportation, obviously, you're moving faster. Um, so well, I, I'm not sure how that balance works out. The 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 weird thing is you can zip, zip strafe off a ledge. So that's not entirely fair. Like if I'm a good distance away from the ledge, but just one gets me off, then I'm I'm dead, and there's no way for me to really know. Like, I would have to teleport to the edge in order to be safe. Sometimes it's just not time to figure that out. Yeah. Now, so, my brain wants me to also kind of combine the movement in the room with it. So I want to do this. Yeah. And then what I end up on, on these kind of games, 
I end up sort of like shifting. So then all of a sudden I'm hitting a wall or I'm doing something, you know, then I'm like, I can't figure out how to get out of the, the grid. I get stuck in the, you know, the, the real world, the real world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing to, to solve. But I was, do, do they tone down the doomness of this or is it pretty scary? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, it's all in your face. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. But, but visually, <laughs> This is up there with the best looking games I've ever seen in VR. I mean, it's like the environments, the monsters, stunning and, and a smooth frame rate. Hmm. But you also played them on probably the best machine you can yeah. get. I'm sure. I'm sure whatever yeah. they were demoing was a great machine. But it, they brought back the telefrag, which is great. So you, <laughs> it, you go into bullet time, you teleport right onto an enemy. That's how you get your glory kill, which in, in Doom is how you regen your, your ammo and stuff. Uh, and that that's all satisfying. It's just very very kinetic. Like they did, I think they did a good job of translating uh, the Doom experience to VR. I'm curious to see if they adjust this strafe thing so that you can't fall off a cliff unless maybe you double tap or something like that. But um, yeah, I I'm mean, a little no thank you because of how terrifying it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like there's jump scares. Like you yeah. know what you're signing up for, and you can stay back. If, if, They're just called scare scares. Yeah, like, yeah. regular <laughs> scares. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so there are other games we'll talk about on projections soon enough. All right. Let's go into what we've been testing. Okay. Testing this week. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Uh, Jeremy's tested every VR game known to man this week. Yep, pretty a- much. Anything else on your agenda? Oh, uh, gosh. I, you know, I always think of this segment after the show, like what I should have said. I don't know. No, I what, can't think of it. What's your anything. latest printer bot? Uh... Don't bring up the printer bot. Oh, sorry, bot. sorry. Printer uh, bot is <laughs> not I just don't well. think anybody cares, and I I get so upset about it. I just don't feel like my... the. I hit a sore spot. I just don't feel like the my... My ire is really well needed here. I don't know. As soon as you said I had to like get out a Dremel and cut a hole in the side of my printer to upgrade it, yeah, it's like oh that's trouble. It, yeah, I, you know, I've upgraded the the printer bot to the G two. I finally got the board working. Oh, that's uh, good. I got the G code compatible. It's like generally working half the time though. It's like I home my print my head and it like it doesn't know like it's hit a switch and it's going and does that and now I'm just letting it do it. I'm like break yourself. Do it. You deserve it. I, give me a justification to get a different printer. Um, that is the opposite of the treat yourself, break yourself. <laughs> and I'm I'm just kind of very frustrated by it. When it works, the new G2 board is fantastic. It sounds like a different printer. It prints twice as fast, and it's wonderful. I just wish that they had shipped. Wait, it, it, it prints twice as fast? Oh, it will probably print three times as fast. Yeah, it's it's... Is it, is it just because, I mean, you're limited by the cool-off time of the filament, or is it just the rapids are oh, faster? No, that's never been a problem. Like you, you're, Filament has, you're right. I mean, that's it, the you, limit. you want more fans, ideally. Yeah. But um, no, it happily prints at 100 millimeters a second. I could probably do 150. Wow, that's um, pretty fast. Whereas yeah. before it was 50. Like okay. that was sort of where the printer bots sort of were happy. Got it. But now it's just so buttery smooth. I love the sound of it. It's just, uh, and it's like one time, like the Z did that same thing. It just went into my bed and it was, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't understand why it's happening. It only happens sometimes. 
Okay, and we're blah, not going to ask blah. you about this for a little Sorry. while so you can recover. Zach, anything you... I'm sure there's oh, a bunch I, of stuff. I test all kinds of weird stuff, but that's yeah. my job. So. Yeah, but like, what's a fun weird thing you've tested? Oh, so I, I broke my welding mask uh, last week and I had to go buy a new one. And it was like... It's funny, a lot of tools, there's sort of this whole you know, hierarchy of like, I can buy the super expensive one. And I most of the time do because like, you know, tools, like something you should keep for a long time, but a welding mask, it's kind of like it, it's, it gets splatter from welding. And like, I'm like, I don't want to okay. spend All that right. much. I'm going to interrupt you right now. Okay. Interrupt because me. You've chosen to talk about a welding mask when you could be talking about a CNC mill for which you had to rent a forklift. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, I te- I'm not testing. I'm done testing that. Yeah. No. So I get lots of things. I mean, that's part of my world of like, yeah, I get stuff. Um, anyways, yeah, no, all right, so, well, the, the, yes, a couple uh, months ago, I ordered uh, from China, kind of took this risk of, uh, you know, there were some reviews, but I'm like, all right, I'm just going to send a whole bunch of money, wire it over there with the hopes that this thing is going to arrive on a ship, and I bought a big CNC uh, router, uh, handles a 4 by 8 sheet, um, actually of plywood, or actually this one has up to 8 inches thick, so I what? can... Uh, yeah, Eight inches thick. Yeah, like you could you could have a slab of well. I, so one of the things that I do is I build prototypes for products, and sometimes they want just a, a looks like thing, and so I need to do molding or plastics or casting, and it's really easy to take a design instead of three D printing it, just actually just directly make a mold, and then I can cast a really smooth looking shell or whatever it happens to be. So. This is, you know, and I I had a smaller milling machine that I could kind of make things that are about the size of a shoebox. Sometimes I need something bigger. So it wasn't that much more to get the bigger one, and why not? So I bought this this big, heavy thing. And in, in the CNC world, heavier is better. So less vibration, more sort of stability, and, you know, you kind of have this long chain of, of motion control, and it's like, okay, if you don't have mass out there, things will wiggle around and move. And that's kind of the difference between the really inexpensive ones and the bigger, you know, more expensive ones is just how much they weigh. So this one weighs about 4,000 pounds. And, you know, and I'm cheap. And it was like, you know, I could hire a guy or I could do it myself. So it was like my dad with his pickup truck and like a janky trailer that we've kind of put together. And it was, you know, really sketchy. You went down to like the Port of Oakland? I totally went down to the <laughs> Port of Oakland wow. and had to figure out who's the guy to talk to, to slip a few bucks to, to help us. Like yeah. it was this whole thing. Wow. Really? You had to like palm somebody like, it, it, to well, help well, out? I mean, maybe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it was all allegedly. Legit above, yeah, yeah, allegedly. But no, it was this whole world. Like I had no idea how to ship something big from overseas like I ship little things all the time but like this was a big thing and like who do you talk to so there's all this learning curve of like how do you do that so I I learned how to get something big and heavy from the port of Oakland to my shop and it was fun and exciting and lots of like I don't know if this forklift will lift this much weight. And, <laughs> wow. And, and it turns out you can rent a forklift without any certification, although you happen to be certified. Yeah, yeah, right. I, uh, but yes, you just you call up the rental yard and say, can you send me a forklift? And they it will show up the next day. All these things you learn <laughs> when you're just like, yeah, it's it's bizarre. But anyways, like people that do this regularly know these things. But as a, you know, I'm basically a glorified hobbyist. I've been doing it long enough to where I'm a professional at it, but I don't know any inherent knowledge that you know people that just kind of do it for fun i just have done it a whole bunch so i learn about this stuff all the time new things it's like oh you can rent that piece of equipment sure so so yes i rented this got it off you know slid it around on dollies 
and magically it all worked and I turned it on and, and I make stuff now. So it's amazing. It's, it's super fun. That, that'll be Simone's new series. Can I rent that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. That's funny. The answer is almost always going to be yes. Yes. You yes. Can. Yes. You can. I have to come see this uh, CNC. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can shoot some video out there. So oh, of, interesting. Yeah. There's some, there's some toys. I did think of one quick thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have not mentioned this on the show, although Zach knows about it. Uh, I've been slowly tinkering with a speak and spell. Which is the ultimate toy from 1978, often uh, like called the first personal computer, although I think probably it came out after the Apple One. It's operated <laughs> by a string. Let's not but call it a personal no, computer. This no, no, this seriously. is a, a battery-powered thing. Oh, this is the battery-powered one. Yeah. Okay. By a string? You're thinking like, what does the dog say? Yeah, what yeah, is that woof, thing woof. called? Uh, somebody oh, will know. You're talking about the the arrow that spins yeah. around? Yeah, no, what is dude. that thing called? You don't know the speak and spell? No, I do. I'm like, what is that other thing that I'm referring okay. to called? Yeah, it's that other thing. Um, but no, speak and spell was the follow-up to the calculator that yeah. wasn't a calculator. It talked. That, well, this, no, but the calculator didn't. Like, the calculator... Just, no, but the speak and spell did. It was the first yeah. really talking thing. It was the first to- uh, solid-state talking toy from 1978 and it had a it was like they, they developed this chip in order to produce this toy and it became the chip that was used in arcade games throughout the, the early 80s Star Wars and whatnot um, and so I've gone deep on speak and spell I've, I've taken it apart I've and I wanted to replace the innards and make it put it online and somehow make it a personal assistant so I figured out how to make the same kind of sound voices that that it uses I always thought speak and spell was a speech synthesis machine that could say anything and it's not like it has a preset vocabulary, all of the words are pre-coded, like pre-encoded. Oh, and the, it's a fascinating form of encoding called oh. linear something. Predictive. Yes. Pe- uh, yes. Yeah, that linear predictive coding. There you go. And it's it's fascinating. It's like it's the compression that they got in the seventies for voice, where it's still intelligible, and that was one of the requirements. It turns out. For the speak and spell, words had to be inte- had to be intelligible, w- out of context, because the thing sp- says a word and you have to spell it, out of context. There's no sentence. You can't mm-hmm. get the <laughs> the definition. You can't ask to use it in a sentence. So you have to understand it. And uh, to do that with speech synthesis, any time up until recently has been a trick. Uh, so they did it successfully in the '70s, and it was—it's awesome. Um, I'm—I think that there should be a documentary on the speak and spell <laughs> while the engineers are still alive. They—they're all retired now, but it is a fascinating story. Anyway, I—I I figured out how to interpret the keyboard, which is a switch matrix. Uh, no one had written that up. That's worth putting up there somewhere. There you go. So I know which pins are columns and rows. I—I I, so I can read that. I might replace the circuit board with a microcontroller like the Photon. Get it online. I just don't know what to do with it online. It's a and solution waiting for a problem. It, it's kind the, of this is where our listeners come in. Yeah, Comment away. What should a speak and spell really do? And my my fear is I'm going to have to replace the speech codec with an actual like phoneme generator, which sounds crappy compared to the LPC, LPC stuff. But I'll probably have to have it say anything. I might just have it listen to me. I might put Watson in it actually. IBM's wow. You, there's, yeah, there's, an cool. for, there's an API for that. And so that would be interesting, like to hold down instead of like the say doing the say game, like you could talk to it and then it could talk back to you. You could do that with Alexa too. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that that's that would be easier because I've done that before. Anyway, been tinkering with the speak and spell. It's a such a cool toy, and I love getting deep into that. It, um, that's what I've been tinkering with. Awesome. I've been testing out the Pico Brew, which is a tabletop home brewing system. 
Are you okay. brewing or drinking? I'm uh, both. It takes about a week, right? Uh, well, yeah. To I mean, it, I mean, you can't speed up yeast, so <laughs> yeast are going to be yeast. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it. Uh, I've been playing around with it. I'm on my second beer batch with it. Oh, so you have drinking a batch? Yes, I have, and and you uh, still can see. Yeah, I'm gonna do um, a video with Joey soon. Next time he's up, uh, because we're both home brewers, and we're actually gonna do a taste test with with what the Pico Brew made versus the commercial version of what it's trying to recreate. Because they sell like breweries sell in kits of like just pop this in and make this beer, and so oh, yeah. we're gonna do it side by side. Uh, it has limitations. It like it takes, as I said years ago or years ago, uh, weeks ago on the podcast. It takes the soul out of the brewing process, um, but it makes decent beer. So actually pretty good beer. And if if you can tweak things um, in an interesting way with this, it could have a use. We'll see. Does I beer, have a little bit more work to do on it. When, when I cook a meal, it tastes better than if someone else cooked it. <laughs> Is that true for beer? Uh, well, you just get more of it too. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, so it's a quantity thing. Yeah, I mean, the one advantage Pico Brew has is like, um, uh, you know, I'm a two drinker household, me and my wife, and my <laughs> wife doesn't drink that much. Okay. And I'm, so I'm making, glad you're not a three drinker household. Making like five gallons of beer uh, tends to be a little bit much. So this makes a, a smaller quantity. A Pico amount. Yes. Now, I know one of the big things is, is sterilization. Like, that's the big... That's what it automates a lot. So that's... So, so it, like, steams out the little mini keg. It steams yeah. out the little hopper for stuff. You still have to do stuff manually because it can't clean out everything for you. So it does make that process easier. Um, but, you know, actually, my biggest sort of complaint right now is while it's brewing, while it's making the wort, it's really loud. And Ooh. so, like, it's designed to be countertop. But it's but like you don't want worrying. it in your kitchen. Yeah, I don't want it anywhere near my kitchen because it's doing it for like two and a half hours, and like it was almost divorce time last <laughs> night while this thing was brewing. So, anyways, I but I have way more to go on it and and messing around. So hopefully a review will be up soon. I think that about does it for us today, Zach. So much. Thank you so much for coming oh, in. My pleasure. Super fun. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm at buildcoolstuff.com. Is my website greatest? Because I URL build cool stuff. ever ever. Yeah, it works. Awesome. And uh, are you on like the Twitters or anywhere else? I have had a Twitter account since like 2008. I think I have one tweet. Oh, so I'm tweet so, at you. Tweet yeah. at you. Yeah. Everyone uh, tweeted Zach. Zach R. Like that's, <laughs> I, that's, I got my own name with an R at the end. Z-A-C-H. So, yeah. yeah. You can totally right. tweet at me. Have fun. Jeremy at Jareware. That's correct. Where else can people, what are you? That's pretty, that's pretty good. All Let's right. just stick with that. All right. Buy a, buy a game frame. Oh, buy a game frame. Yeah. That's always a good idea. Yeah. yeah. When, when Norm didn't have an ad, what he was supposed to give me ads for last week. I was just going to insert ads for Game Frame. But then he finally gave them to me. Are you looking for a new way to decorate your office? (laughs) Think about the Game Frame. Where can people find you, Kishore? I'm at Science Quiche on the Twitters. Um, You can find me next Monday night talking to the inventor of CRISPR-Cast9 on stage here in San Francisco. I think uh, what's coming up on Tested, I think there's some videos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a stretch. You know, next week is a full takeover. Of the site by the Maker Week, right? Oh, yeah. It's Nation of Makers. Um, so uh, Adam's on the board of this new nonprofit, and there's going to be a lot of personal tales of how making has affected lives, featuring a number of personalities here on Tested. I think episode two of Science of Progress, my science show, goes up for premium members today. All right. Cool. Question mark, shrug. Yep. 
And um and I think Norm's back next week. So That's fun right. is over, people. Well, he like literally gets in podcast day. So fingers oh. crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll see if he's Maybe hung one over more from his yeah. uh, honeymoon. All right. Do we have an outro this week? Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. Very much a Star Trek uh, flying by spaceship experience. Oh, because of the doors. You press the button on the door, <laughs> and the doors go. <laughs> and then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. That's the cue for us to restart. <laughs> See ya. Ah. Shout out my music. Oh, <laughs> <Stop it. laughs>